and thank you for listening. My name is Delilah Panio. I'm Vice President of U.S. Capital Formation for Toronto Stock Exchange and TSX Venture Exchange, and I'm based in Southern California. Welcome to TMX Presents, the podcast. This is where we have conversations with capital markets leaders from around the world and to gain insights from the influential decision makers and visionary entrepreneurs helping to shape the future business landscape. But before we dive in, I'd like to give a brief overview of how TSX and TSX Venture are increasingly becoming a viable capital option for high growth U.S. companies. Last year, 25 U.S. companies listed on our markets and choosing the public venture capital route as an alternative to private venture capital. And so far this year, 10 companies from the U.S. have listed on TSX and TSXV, despite some of these really turbulent market conditions. One of those companies is who we are featuring on today's podcast. And in fact, we have a very unique episode today. I'm really excited to introduce my two guests today, the CEO of a 2022 U.S. tech listing, Edge TI, and its primary shareholder. So welcome, Jim. Jim Barrett is CEO of Edge TI and has over 20 years of experience in technology and consulting. From startups to global firms with more than $500 million in revenue, Edge TI is a software company and focuses on the integration of secure web applications. It provides software products and enterprise services to corporations and government agencies. Edge TI listed on TSX Venture in January of this year through a capital pool company. Welcome, Jim. Delilah, thank you for having me. It's great to speak with you again. It's good to have you on today. And I'm also pleased to welcome Christian Mack, who's the managing director of Lotus and the Lotus Innovations Fund. So Christian is an enterprise software veteran, investment banker, private equity, and family office leader. Busy guy. He has successfully grown undervalued enterprise software companies into high-value organizations. And under his leadership, Lotus, which is a private equity firm, specializes in enterprise software companies and has delivered double-digit returns. With backing from family offices and high net worth individuals, Christian is currently investing in a commitment fund targeting enterprise software acquisition turnarounds. Welcome, Christian. Thank you, Delilah. So it's great to have you both here. Let's start with Edge TI's origin story. So Jim, why don't you tell us a little about the company, how long it's been around, and what you guys are focusing on, how you're disrupting your industry? Sure. Thank you. The company's been around for some time. It was originally acquired by Lotus in the very end of 2017. The company's headquartered in the Washington, D.C. metro area. I am familiar with Edge. I owned a systems integration company that we had a successful exit on in 2016. And I had some familiarity with Edge. And we were a partner of Edge's that my previous business was called Softential. And they were probably the large partner of Edge. And I was familiar with it because we were in the same uh, DC metro area and I had some uh, past experiences with the product. So you're with the company for about five years, is that correct? You started as COO and then became CEO? That's correct. It was exactly what Christian had outlined as the focus of their fund, where it was a turnaround situation. And after the acquisition, we had plenty to do to uh, get us to the point where we're at today. Okay. Well, one of the things I love that you talk about is digital transformation. So maybe just comment on that and what that means. And and again, like how Edge TI is disrupting the industry through that. Sure. I, of course, get asked that all the time. And if you look at digital transformation as a broad marketplace, 
you can quote statistics that by McKinsey or uh, Gartner are looking that the digital transformation marketplace itself is expected to go from around 1.5 trillion in USD spending to 2.5 trillion in US dollar spending by 2025. So the people, the large organizations that Edge works with are generally Fortune 1000, Fortune 500, or very large public sector entities. A further thing that I'd like to add is, if you look at the executive teams in that client base, probably about 75% right now would acknowledge that digitizing their business, receiving the efficiencies that you can get when you make a digital transformation are paramount. So you're looking at 75% of the people that we can potentially do business with or historically have used our product will say that this is something that they need to put a plan together for and they would acknowledge that it's a focus of theirs over the next few years. So uh, the market is acknowledging what we're trying to do is of value as well. And things are going well. Yeah, I always like to tell a story where it helps understand where if you can think about Edge, so we're an integration platform that provides the right information to the right people at the right time on the right device that they can take action on. So we have the our clients today are the largest bank in the world, largest consulting company in the world, largest credit card company, largest payroll processor, global telecommunications firms, every branch of the United States military, NATO. Today we have about 28 clients. Of that 28, everybody has heard the names of our clients, so we're fortunate there. What we're trying to ultimately do is, if you look at the marketplace today, if you think of your home, everybody can relate. I try to use this example. You have a remote control, multiple remote controls potentially. You are trying to interact with information. You may have to interact with applications. You have a sound bar, you have a TV remote, you have cable box, you have Roku, Netflix, you know, et cetera. Everybody can relate to that. And you may have a scenario where you wanna watch something on ESPN Plus. I bring this up because this actually happened to me recently. Okay. I'm paying for this, these various services and hundreds of dollars per month, and all I want to do is watch TV. It sends a text to my phone, I got to log back in, then it sends another text, then my kid's trying to watch something downstairs, there's a problem. Now, you can imagine that is the frustration you feel when you're saying, I'm paying for this, why is this difficult? Now, imagine these large organizations, they have 15,000 remote controls, and the leadership within those companies are, I'm paying hundreds of millions of dollars per year to care and feed for these infrastructure that run my business, yet all I want to do is know what's going on. So if you think about it, Edge is the universal remote for large organizations. I love that. I'm going to totally use that now when I talk about Edge CI. You know, one of the things that came up on your site that I loved was unified intelligence and control. Yep. So that's really what you're talking about, bringing that all together and having that one universal control. I love that. Okay, thank you for that, Jim. So over to Christian. So tell us about yourself and the fund and how you were introduced to Edge TI. Yeah, so uh, thanks to Lila. My background has been in enterprise software like Jim. Uh, I actually uh, went to University of Chicago. I was a math major, put myself through school by taking on the odd IT job. Because of that, uh, became an enterprise software consultant for a couple of years and then started a company in 1999 called Resolve Systems. That's actually where I met Jim because we were playing in the same ecosystem. And then uh, that's also where I got introduced to Edge. 
and then sold the company in 2012, had a successful exit, and then 2014 started a private equity fund called Lotus Domain Fund 3. And we are a growth buyout fund that's focused on enterprise software companies within nine segments. And uh, these companies are typically too small for private equity and don't necessarily fit the venture capital model. So which uh, by all accounts, so we believe is about 65% of this $762 billion marketplace. And so that's where we got uh, introduced to Edge and reconnected with Jim. Awesome. So let's talk about the funding journey of this company then and when you came into it as the fund. So maybe, yeah, just talk about how the company was funded. Then we'll talk about leading up to this decision to go public on TSX Venture. Yeah, so this company had been around for quite some time, as Jim and I both had been interacting with it, and uh, the customer base that it had was pretty significant. And so up until uh, 2017, it had historically been funded by its founders, and it was basically being run as a lifestyle business and didn't necessarily have the best back office, front office, best practices being implemented in it. However, it was a really exciting segment. All the segments that we focus on do well during good times, but they do even better during downturns. And that's primarily because these segments are really oriented towards driving efficiency within the Fortune 1000 types of companies. So they do well during good times, but they do even better during downturns. And so Edge specifically had a great customer list, and Jim was very familiar with it. Uh, I was very familiar with it. And Jim uh, just happened to be interested in taking the helm. And so it was a match made in heaven. And so we came in from a fund basis. Uh, we bought majority control of this in concert, actually, with Jim. And so uh, it was a match made in heaven. Uh, we were able to implement a lot of great things from a back office, front office uh, basis, and ultimately speaking, decided that in the next round of funding that it would make a lot of sense uh, to partner up with the TSX and you know get this you know kind of critical growth capital that uh, was needed in this uh, next phase of growth uh, injected into the company. And uh, the fact that the, the back office was so mature at this point uh, really meant that the regulatory issues were really, we were doing a lot of that stuff anyway. <laughs> so this was kind of a win-win for us. Let's do a bit of a deep dive into that, because obviously for folks that are listening that are either founders or CEOs of high growth tech companies or they're investors in funds like yourself, this is not a typical path for a U.S. company like this to take, right, to go list on this, what is the TSX Venture Exchange in the Canadian capital markets, right? It's, it's not a typical path. So I'd really like to get into some of the mindset sure. to share. And again, we're here to have an open conversation about the good, the bad, and the challenging around transactions like this. But so you're ready to raise your next round of capital. So obviously you still significantly believe in this company to move it forward, to keep engaged with it, to look for those rounds of capital. You have other capital options, right? You could get more private capital to come in either through other funds or PE firms, et cetera. So when this concept of listing on a junior stock exchange in Canada came about, what was it that initially was intriguing to you versus what your other options were? Yeah, so I think it's a, a multi-pronged kind of answer. The first is we could have certainly gone down the debt option. That's pretty expensive, especially in this uh, rising interest rate environment. And at the end of the day, you have to make sure that, you know, you're able to hit the debt service obligations and, and you're beholden from a covenant uh, perspective you know, to that debt holder. And so there's lots of strings attached to the debt option. So that wasn't really an attractive option. The second option was really investing from private capital, private market uh, basis. And a lot of the funds, like our fund, there's certain preps associated with it. So while it may not be debt, there's a preference, a preferred return that uh, investors are looking for. In this particular case, our fund, for instance, uh, has an 8% pref. So that in and of itself, and the other funds like ours are very similar to that approach. 
And so that can be costly as well because that effectively continues to accrue as time goes on. And so when looking at this option, and what was really exciting for us is that there was no real preferred return kind of focus. At the same time, it did establish an interesting market-to-market valuation for us. And so even though we're floating a certain percentage of the stock, the private shares, you know, the fund owns kind of benefit from that valuation because private markets typically will be valuing companies like Edge at a lower multiple than, say, the public companies because the public markets are far more efficient. And so we gain a couple things from this, right? A, we get a market-to-market valuation, which is fantastic. Anytime our investors want to know how much Edge is worth, we can easily point them to a website and say, hey, you know, go crazy. Here's all the information you'll ever want to know and then some. B, the fact of the matter is with a public listing, there's lots of different liquidity options, right? Uh, you know, that kind of enter it to bear. And C, from a strategic perspective, it opens the door into a lot of different future rounds of growth capital and debt options as well. And so as Edge grows, there's going to be a potpourri of different things that are going to be available to them, which is exciting as the primary shareholder. And Jim, what were your thoughts, you know, along this journey? You were, you were transitioning then from being a private company CEO to being a public company CEO and also as a shareholder in the company. What were your thoughts when this idea of going public on TSX Venture was initially discussed? Thank you for asking that. And feel free to be honest. <laughs> so the way we were structured is Lotus had about 80% of the business and I have about 20%. And uh, to quote the great Arnold Jackson, my response was, what you talking about, Willis? When he said, <laughs> let's go through this, you know, I'm like, you know, it was a smaller company. And when you associate going public, you know, the organization that I had, when Edge doesn't line up with my initial thought of, of what that is. But as time went on, you know, it's exactly what Christian probably initially said is what I'm finding. It leaves a lot of options open is the first thing. The other is... Your information's out there. If you're going to work with partners, whether it be financial, technology, whatever, they know what you have, right? They're going to see all that information. What I would say is from the U.S. standpoint, you're going to associate going public with just NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. That's what you think of. And I would say that the intent of the TSXV is doing exactly what it's intended to do. It's a middle step for you to get your reporting right, as Christian said, get back office, get your plan together. So as it makes sense, you can graduate to other exchanges. So I would say that it is a great first step for uh, moving in that direction. Excellent. Yeah. And that certainly is what, you know, the value proposition that we discussed with U.S. companies is that we are that stepping stone to a senior U.S. exchange as an alternative to private venture capital. And I loved how you put it in terms of because we really do have an opportunity to sort of get your training wheels on as a public company, really get all that infrastructure that's required. Because, I mean, let's be honest, it's not easy being a public company. It's not easy being a small public company, especially in these markets today. You know, it's obviously very, very challenging times. Although, as we we were discussing earlier, it's great to see that EdgeTI's stock is really holding its own since its list in January because most companies are down significantly since the beginning of the year. And so you're already weathering that well. And so let's talk about the life of being a small public company, right? And that infrastructure, the cadence. And I, I saw Jim recently an investor conference where you now have to be on the road talking to investors. So I'm sure a lot of early stage companies about the size of EdgeTI are listening right now thinking, how do you run and build your company and also be a small 
public company. So maybe talk about that, Jim, in terms of how you're managing that or how you're hoping to manage it in the future. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's a good question. You'll be a busy person. That's the first answer <laughs> I have. And you're in one way you are presenting to people if you're doing things as an executive at a company all the time anyway, whether it be clients. In this case, it's investors. And I do that many, many times per week. And I have no issue with that. But that is, you're adding a little bit more work than things that you haven't ever done before. And being a small company, I don't have a team of people behind me doing all this other, you know, there, there's a leadership team of probably five and we have about 50 employees. Those five people are touching everything we're doing in some way, shape or form. I would say that we have our reporting down, you know, we have our first AGM coming up in about a month and that'll be the first time ever doing that for me. So that'll be an interesting experience. I'm learning a lot in other businesses I was in. We were listed on NASDAQ and things like that, but uh, this is my first time with TSX, TSXV, and we're getting a handle for making sure we hit all the timelines. We've had great advisory help from people you recommended to help in different areas. At first, I was like, I got to be crazy to sign up for this because it's just more than you would expect. But like anything, after a few months, it settles in and, and it's no issue. Excellent. Yeah, it just requires that discipline and that cadence, mm -hmm. which I think we can all agree for. Maybe, Christian, this is for you to comment because you invest in a lot of companies. You know, there is that discipline that's required to be a public company, usually quite to the benefit of companies, because there's a lot of private companies we've seen over the years that if they'd had that discipline would have acted very differently. And we see some of those companies that are now have TV shows about them, <laughs> that, that if they had been public, a lot of the stuff wouldn't have happened. But maybe Christian, just comment on that, on your thoughts on, again, we know that this isn't for everybody. It's a certain kind of company that it makes sense for. So I'd love Christian's thoughts on the kind of company and now looking at your other portfolio companies that you think that this makes the most sense for now that you've been through one of these listing journeys. Yeah. So first and foremost, I would say that this option is something that I think, you know, not only is a good fit for companies like Edge, right, whereby these companies are on a growth tra trajectory and they benefit really from the rigor associated with public best practices. But also having being publicly traded is a seal of approval to the market, right? Whether you're a customer, a strategic partner, investor, and that seal of approval is a big deal. It tells people, hey, look, this is not just some smaller company that is a vendor at a Fortune you know, 10 client, like what we have with Edge, thanks to Jim and his leadership. And so for us, you know, we have different stages within the fund, right? You go through your deal origination stage where you're trying to find these needles in the haystack. You go through the acquisition stage where you're going uh, through and, and uh, trying to figure out how to make this strategic partnership work and who's going to do what and what's going to be the result of that process. And then you go through effectively integration stage, which is where the best practices get implemented from a back office, front office, you know, leadership basis. And people like Jim are so instrumental in being that change agent, cultural change agent uh, of sorts of because it does take a certain personality to ensure that that rigor is implemented within the company. But at that point, quite honestly, you get into the growth stage and it's a very efficient market, you know, outwardly and inwardly, and you benefit uh, from both. And so those are the kind of companies, if you're looking for growth, if you're looking for that seal of approval, if you're looking for the ability to have really great conversations with Fortune, you know, 100 co companies as clients or partners, this is a great way to leapfrog into a lot of great uh, discussions. Yeah, thank you for that. And so maybe, Jim, 
talk about what you're excited about being a public company, like in terms of what this is going to, you know, we talk about the reasons to be a public company, whether that's access to capital, acquisition currency, you know, incentivizing employees with stock as a pathway to liquidity. So maybe like what for you and your team and your employees and your customers, do you think that being a public company that you're excited about? It's actually uh, all of the above of the things that you were discussing there. We have a currency within the organization that we can provide to incentivize employees. Our employees are the most important piece of any company. How many employees do you have? We have about 50 employees. And I would also say that we have capital raising options. And given the nature of what we do as a business, we're an integration platform at the core of what we do. And that means that if the right organizations come in, we can integrate them very easily, the technology side. So they are things that when we see where the market is going, that we would potentially uh, considering. The only thing that I would say is surprising is, I don't know that we got this listing, I think when we close this deal, Christian, December 27th or something like that. <laughs> and then let me tell you, the world is a different place from December 27th, 21 <laughs> till today. So wow. uh, if we could have yeah. predicted that, maybe we would have looked a little, but you play the cards you dealt and you continue. And I think that with that change, there will also be opportunity in the marketplace itself for some of that activity. But they are the things that I would say are both positives and the negatives of having this uh, listing done right now. Um, Christian, what are your thoughts on that in terms of what this company can do now as a public company? Yeah, so so a couple things. I'd say, you know, again, the public markets are going to be the most efficient markets. And so, yeah, you see a lot of downturns in the technology sector for sure. But then again, I always caveat that by saying 300 times revenue for Netflix. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not necessarily an expert when it comes to uh, capital markets, but I'll just say that that looks a little uh, frosty, <laughs> frothy. Um, so, uh, yeah. And then look, those kind of companies do grab the headlines and so forth. But if you look at Edge, the reason why I think Edge is doing so well is because of the strong customer base, the growth uh, that it's had, the leadership that Jim and his team have been able to execute upon. And again, they're in a segment that does really well during downturns. I mean, Jim and I, well, both of our companies were in these segments. And, you know, I can certainly speak for myself. Some of the best years were the dot-com implosion and Great mm -hmm. Recession, which is counterintuitive <laughs> because you would think that everyone did poorly. But in reality, it's not true. Our company was growing 100% sometimes year over year in during those times. And so I think that's why Edge is doing so well from a stock basis is because the market, you know, understands that we're patient capital on our fund side. We believe in the long-term growth. And look, the options, while the water's a little choppy uh, for sure right now, it'll come to an end and, and Edge uh, will come out the end of the tunnel better and stronger for it. And quite frankly, a lot of its competitors will have kind of gone by the wayside because they aren't necessarily being run with the rigor and the expertise uh, that Jim and the team have kind of brought. So that basically means to me that there's going to be a lot of different options you know, in the not-too-distant future that are going to be very exciting. I know Jim's working on some really exciting stuff as well right now, and that's all because of the public market you know, kind of opportunities. Excellent. On that note, we'll look to wrap up here. It's just been such a great conversation. Again, unique for us to have both the CEO and, and the primary investor on our podcast talking about this particular company and how it listed, why it listed. And so, like I said, we really pride ourselves on being a stepping stone in the Canadian markets to the U.S. senior exchanges. And so we certainly hope to see Edge TI on that trajectory of listing on TSX Venture, graduating to Toronto Stock Exchange. And then when you're big and 
relevant enough, which I'm sure you will be, to uh, do a listing on to one of the USM senior exchanges. So we're, we're hoping to watch that path uh, with you. So maybe a final question that we always like to leave with our listeners, which is, I'll ask each of you, what surprised you the most about going public? Maybe, uh, Jim, do you want to start with that? How my impression of the difficulty once we were listed was completely wrong. It's manageable. The other thing that was surprising to me is I know everything takes a long time, but this took a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true of like all capital raises yeah. and you're both in it that, you know, it's always longer, takes more time, way more time than you think. And it's wild. Yeah. Uh, Christian, what surprised you the most about this uh, listing process or going public? I think that, again, this was our first process as well, right? Yeah. Jim, myself, first process. So it always takes longer <laughs> than you anticipate. <laughs> I would say that uh, what was really surprising, it was a pleasant surprise was, and I don't just mean it because I'm, you know we're on your uh, podcast, Delilah, but uh, <laughs> the great partnership that you and the TSX kind of showed in helping us navigate through this because there's just a lot of different parties. And for someone who doesn't really understand, you know, what all those parties, where, where everyone fits in in this journey, having a strategic partner like the TSX kind of guide you through and introduce you to various different folks, you know, it was great. And uh, quite frankly, was a, a blanket of sorts <laughs> to uh, tide us over in this uh, journey. And so now that we've gone through it, I'm looking forward to the next one, having learned a lot through that process. But yeah, the, the partnership was great. And quite frankly, the partners that you introduced us to, uh, Delilah and the team, were fantastic and continue to be fantastic in the new uh, chapter that Edge has. Great. Well, thank you for that. And uh, thank you both for joining us today. Any parting uh, thoughts or comments you'd love to share with listeners who are hearing about Edge TI for the first time? Our symbol is CTRL. Anybody wants to look us up, CTRL on the TSXV is our symbol. And I'll just add to that, uh, again, great things are about to come. So uh, super excited and looking forward to the follow-up maybe <laughs> to this uh, podcast and the great things that we're about to accomplish. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much to Jim and Christian from Edge TI. And thank you for listening to TMX Presents the Podcast. For more information on TSX and TSX Venture as a capital option, especially for U.S. companies, visit us.tsx.com. And for more insights from capital market leaders and from my TMX colleagues on previous episodes and future episodes of this podcast, please visit tmx.com POV. Thanks very much and have a great day.